Craft Beer Radio, episode 170, posted on December 6, 2011. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, where we're sorry, we'll be better. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. How are you tonight, Greg? Good. That's good. We are back for a uh, rare show these days. <laughs> uh, I apologize. We actually have two in the can, but Christmas and life has uh, really sent me for a loop. Tonight we... So we're doing this one live to tape, so this will... And if you hear anything, noises, etc., we're sorry, but we're just kind of trying to get this one out there. And we're going to be very... Professional, so we can do this one live to tape tonight. Oh, and to help that goal, we're doing Belgian triples tonight. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, because high it, alcohol really helps really us be professional. Thinking this one through. All right, so these are some beers that were in uh, one of the beer of the month club things that I did at work. We did okay. Belgian triples last month. Picked out several of these. Uh, we drank one in the pre-show. The we didn't even talk about it at no, all. No, we didn't even talk about it during we didn't the pre-show. Even say we were drinking it. We drink Lefendemand from uh, Unibrew and. I, we had the pronunciation guide. If it, <laughs> Le fin du monde. Something similar to that. Uh, that is 9%, and it is... I can tell you the information on it. 19 IBUs. In French, please. <laughs> 19 IBUs. Oh, I can't even do a, <laughs> a terrible French accent. Uh, just a triple-style gold nail, they say. Yeah, I mean, Le fin du monde's quite available around here you know I've, we've had it a bunch so we didn't really talk about it much it was kind of just a warm-up beer but tasted enjoyable to me and let's move on to the stouts triple this yes. is uh, a belgian style abbey belgian abbey style ale from stouts brewing company in adamstown pennsylvania nine percent alcohol by volume 37 ibus Belgian yeast, of course. You would expect that in a Belgian beer. Pearl and Warrior bittering hops and Hilletau and Zotz aroma hops. Two row and wheat is the malt. Excellent. Beer pours with not a huge head. Um, higher alcohol beers typically don't have much head, but but Belgian style beers typically have a lot of heads. So you would think that the the Belgian lineage of this beer should win out and provide more head but this one pours the very wispy head on it has the aroma i really come to expect out of, out of a triple it's got this effervescent effervescent sugary aroma it's kind of like you know i don't want to to i almost smell sort of a cereal kind okay. of smell to it yeah there's definitely a bready um you know, yeah, the barley is providing some some grainy grain um, notes. Notes, absolutely. Uh, I'm getting some alcohol warming off this. It's a little alcoholic. It's a little almost like smelling a spirit uh, of sorts. You know, it's a little hot up in your nasal cavity. A little bit. There's a little bit of anise spearmint, that sort okay. of thing, in the aroma. It's sort of a cutting and carbonic. Mm-hmm. Very, very high carbonation levels mm-hmm. in the mouth. You know, it's just fizzy. And you're looking through the carbonation to find flavors. comes out a little sweet. And then, that's, I like how it progresses, though. Uh, 
I'm not really saying I'm tasting much bitterness, but it definitely it dries out towards the end. Right. It has a those those bittering hops, the Perlman Warrior, really come in mm-hmm. handy there. The 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 Zotz and Hiller Tau, the aroma ones that give you the just a bit of spiciness. And these come in and give you more of a resiny kind of kick at the bottom, which which prevents it from becoming a big gloopy, syrupy mess, which it beers like this have a danger of mm-hmm. becoming. And this kept evolving later and later in the aftertaste for me. I, I was getting this dry, and then I caught a couple more caramelly notes that kind of kicked in the sides, and it just really progressed well. And it was, you know, if you're sipping this beer, it has a story to tell, you know, as you're drinking it and after you've drank it. And, mm-hmm. and that's that's nice when you have something to contemplate, you know, many at many points you're tasting it. So it almost kind of tastes like if, if I would, it, sort of a maple syrup-ish type flavor or maybe almost i'm I'm almost tasting tiramisu i'm tasting sort of that syrupy uh caramelly kind of Mm -hmm. flavor in the sweetness that there's sort of a hump of sweetness and then that's when it gets sort of dry and and resiny and and gets into a little bit of hoppiness but before that it's this caramelly sweetness yeah i'm getting this the caramel you mentioned it twice i mentioned it i'm kind of curious about that because i don't normally think of caramel as a triple type flavor I mean, the, the candy sugar they typically add is clear candy sugar, so it's not really there's not much Maillard reaction to it. It's not caramelized, mm-hmm. um, so it's normally a cleaner, more sugary taste. And this one has that that little more roasted taste to it, which is curious. And I think it's the hops. I think it's the hops that are giving an extra dimension to the sugar, which would without them be too sweet and would be mm-hmm. a little cloying. Which is always my fear when we do triples because I'm always I, – I always find myself – I've said this before on triple shows. I like the style more when I have them than when I'm thinking about having them. For some reason, oh, yeah? it's always like eh, triples. I don't know. And then I drink them and I'm like I really do enjoy them. And that's why we had a choice today between porters and triples before. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? Let's do the triples. Let's do right. that show. And then you're like, buyer's regret. Like, oh, no, I picked I'm triples. not really buyer's regret. I mean, before but you tasted it, though, you're like, oh, it's going to be too sweet. <laughs> I know that I always expect that. And I know it always. So I came in prepared. Well, there's a beer that's on the list tonight that I have an expectation that's going to be pretty sweet. Okay. And I won't say anything more about it until then, but we'll see how that comes out. Speaking of expectations, beer, and news, which we weren't speaking of, but there is... <laughs> Hello, awkward segue. I like that one. So, say say you're a brewer and you make you make craft beer, but you, you make- know, actually, let's go back a year okay. and a half, and let's say you're a craft beer radio podcast. <laughs> Are you taking credit for something here, Mister Girl, Mister Weiss? I I saw this coming. Everyone, a lot of people saw this coming, but I did actually a, a at Saver two thousand nine. I did a series of interviews about this very topic, which is that craft that the Craft Beer Association is changing the definition of what a craft brewer is. The so last year, two thousand nine, and slightly after, we we realized or we saw a report. We didn't realize. We didn't do the research. We saw a report somewhere saying that. Boston Beer Company is going to surpass 2 million barrels of production in 2010 or 2011. Right. And, you know, our keen eye said, hey, wait a second, there's a limit. 
on the Brewers Association definition of a craft brewer. Right. There are two, there are two things at stake here. One is the small brewer's craft uh, tax differential, which kicks in after two million barrels. And you pay more taxes on per barrel. Right. If for, you're, for the first, if you're a large brewer, right? You like you don't. I think it's that you you don't pay on. You pay a much lower tax in the first sixty thousand barrels or something like that. I forget, but you know it's tax law. Who knows? It's ridiculous. But the other thing was that that was what the craft brew association used to define a craft beer. Mm-hmm. And the other important part of that was that Sam Adams and Sam Adams, the growth of Boston beer, was a huge factor in the numbers. That that made craft beer. Yeah, I mean, every year are. you'll see the reports. We've talked about the reports. Craft beer has grown in double digits again. You know, eleven, twelve percent a year over year when the rest of the market's flat. Boston beer is a big chunk of that number. Um, Boston beer is going to outgrow a craft brewer. So the Brewers Association just the other day amended their definition indeed and now you can make up to six million barrels of beer and still be a craft brewer i we saw this coming i i'm sick of it i i think we need to retire the term craft brewer <laughs> and i know the brewers association is a trade association for small breweries and they don't want to if they had to like exclude sam adams from their numbers right their numbers would shrink right by a big chunk huge chunk so they aren't going to do that. I still like the people at the Brewers Association. I still like getting the, that they're getting the word out about good beer. But this whole definition thing. Well, it, it gets to the shaky part of definitions that we've talked with other brewers, you know, especially Peter Bucard about. But you know, he, he despises the very defini- def- defining styles of beer, much less defining what a craft brewer well, is. I, I don't remember actually having a conversation with Peter about craft brewers. Well, did, I did. Did you? Okay. And you can go back and listen to that. It's on our uh, 2009 uh, page for Saber. But the whole thing is kind of, you know, it, it kind of – it's a little sneaky. It's a little bit kind of backdoorish, but then again, everybody does it. So it's like you know you can't blame them for doing what everybody in a lobbying industry would do in that situation. Yeah, I mean for the whole taxing, if it's good for small local business and good beer, then I like it. I like it on two fronts. I like supporting local business. I like good beer. Mm-hmm. But this whole keep amending the rules to keep their numbers growing, moving goalposts is something that we always yeah. deal with. But, okay, so I'm going to take the Lou Bryson stance, right? It, it's about the beer in the glass. Michelob Dunkelweiss is a hell of a beer. Yes, I agree. And I, I'm, this whole, you know, changing the definition of craft brewer twice in the last two years, but three again, years. But, that, again, that's just, just like, a marketing thing. It's just so they can keep their numbers steady. It has nothing, I know. So it, if it, you said just marketing. And what do we talk about marketing speak, right? So I'm about ready to retire this whole definition of, of craft brewer. And but I'm here not we are ready to get on craft beer radio, getting ready to retire craft brewery. I'm gonna have to change the name of the show. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. I I have yet to hear a better name for craft beer than craft beer. Figuring out what craft beer is has always been a tricky thing. Right. It's it's like uh, who's the senator says I don't know what pornography or I can't define pornography, but I, I know what it is when I see it. Right. It's the same thing about craft beer. Right. You can't define it, but you know what it is when you see it or taste it. Taste it. Yeah. Mostly taste it. Sometimes smell it. But, no, I agree with you. 
I also see the reasoning behind it. I don't fault the Brewers Association for doing what they did. But we're we're in that nebulous place where until something better comes around, until some better definition, and we've tried to think of something artisan. Well, here's, here's the other part. You know, they're the the craft beer trade association to help support small brewers. Right? Is Boston Beer really a small brewer anymore? But they give so much to. They do, and I like Jim. I like their beer. I can't wait to try Infinium, the new beer from the the, the Vine Stefan Boston oh, right, Beer right, yeah. collaboration. All the TV commercials are out right now. You know, I can't wait to try Infinium, but do they really need the support? You know, think of the guy that's slaving over a mash tun 20 hours a day, making his beer all by himself. But would... <laughs> versus Boston Beer. If Boston Beer is no longer a part of the association, those numbers go away, would the Brew Association be able to support the little guy? It's a good, it's a good argument. I mean, yes. He is... It, Boston beer is a gateway beer. It, and, you know, and so it's a the, gateway beer and a tentpole mm-hmm. for for the industry itself. An important one. Yeah, by gateway, I didn't mean lesser than real craft beer. I meant it's so available that yeah. that's going to get hooked, a lot of people hooked that would never otherwise get hooked if there wasn't Boston beer, is what I'm saying. I like Boston beer. I like it a lot. I like it more now than I ever have. But it, yeah, in, in a sense, you know, the the Brew Association and Boston Beer are tied together now, mm-hmm. and that has to be considered when you look at this information. It's important because Boston Beer is such a big part. Now, should I mean another uh, company that's up and coming, you know, FX Matt, is will eventually get to two million in ten, fifteen years or something like that, if growth continues. But so, there, are, I mean. They're contracting, right? So a lot of their barrel is just under different labels. Right. I mean, all the bo- Brooklyn beer that goes into bottles is FX, made, brewed at FX Matt. You know, so a lot of their stuff. Saranac is an FX Matt label. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know their percentages. I know why you quoted him, because he was quoted in the... He's lobbying for the tax differential, which right. hasn't changed yet. Only the Brewers Association definition has changed, trying to help push the lobbying efforts. And to keep the numbers big. Yes. Mostly to keep their own numbers Mo- Keep big. the numbers big, which, which helps them promote. Yeah. You know, it, everyone likes big numbers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's part of who we are. We're humans. We have an affinity for it. We don't understand big numbers, but we like to see them. Okay, so forget about the barrelage. Other other requirements to be a craft brewer is to, to use all malt, or mostly malt, right? That one, doesn't that doesn't make sense as a requirement because look at all the stuff Dogfish well, does. They're look at trying. All they're trying to pick and choose their membership. They're trying to exclude certain people that they don't feel is worthy. I feel uh, you have to be independently owned, or your owner has to be independently owned. You have to be independently owned, or if more than twenty five percent of your ownership is owned by somebody else, they have to be a craft brewer. So they have to fall under all the rules, right? So like Magic Hat is a craft brewer because their ownership group is a craft brewer. But wait, uh, so you can't be you can't be on the the market? You can't be I don't know what the, they don't really define independent. They don't really define independent. Um at least I didn't see. It. I looked into it, I'm like what I was curious because I was in this really mood about them just gaming the system, right? I'm like, Grr! and I wanted to figure out what they meant by independent. And 
On we their should get Julie on to ask her these questions. On their definition, they have a hyperlink where it says independent. So I clicked on the hyperlink and took us to another pa- another paragraph that said uh, you have to be independent or the majority owner has to also be a craft brewer or something like that. So you have to like, but, that's but a that, that allows them to, to make it so like Line and Kugels can't get in, right? Is, is that yeah? The if, idea? if you're owned by yeah, Line and Kugels is probably a good example. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on their current ownership, but presuming there's still a Miller subsidiary, yeah, yeah, they are not a craft brewer. Blue Moon, which is fully owned by that, Miller yeah, Coors, yeah. So, for example. Um, Hoogarden, for example, would not be, but that's not American well, anyway. So, well, right, but they I mean, but they make, in my opinion, craft beer. Well, it, yeah. see, the Brewers Association has a definition of craft brewer, and then craft beer is beer made by a craft brewer. So it's a it's inherited thing. Or for me, it's it's about is the beer good? Well, you know, again, that's the Brewers Association, and our show is not the Brewers Association show. It's our show, so we can define what a craft beer is. And they can define what a craft beer is for their purposes. Right. And, you know, all that being said, I'm going to double back and say I, I like Paul and Julia and all the people at the Brewers Association. And I love what they do. I just think, you know. This is a good debate to have. This sliding scale to keep the numbers big just bugs me. It just bugs me. It would be interesting to see what, you know, how they would respond to that. And I would love to have them on the show. I think show they'd have an argument just like yours, right? Where it's good for everybody. To, yeah. And I'm fine with that. It just, it's, it can still bug me. Right? And it bugs me. So, If everything was perfect, then something would still bug you. Probably. Let's go on to the next beer. Yes, good point. We have not had this beer, so let's drink this beer. And this beer is from our... One of our super listeners, Bill. Ah, yes. In Texas. The Devil's Backbone. Now, the living will always be more dangerous than the dead. This was directed by Guillermo del Toro. And it was produced in 2001. I joke, because this is actually also the name of a Spanish movie. Uh, released a, a fantasy horror mystery thriller. Ooh, <laughs> that, sounds, IMDb. that sounds good. But the beer itself is Real Ale's Devil's Backbone. 8.1. It's named after a scenic radius that runs between Blanco and Wimberley. And don't confuse this with Devil Backbone's Brewing Company in Virginia. Zotz Hops, Belgian Yeast, 8.1% alcohol by volume, 36% IBU, 18 degrees Plato. Real Ale Brewing Company is in Blanco, Texas, and uh, pretty big we've, fans. Yeah, you know, we've The only beers really we've had enjoyed. have been sent by Bill, but we like the stuff that Real Ale's made so far. The color is a little bit uh, lighter straw than the Stouts mm-hmm. was. It has a little bit more of a thicker head, less alcohol. On it it's too. definitely bottle conditioned. I have a snow globe of yeast floating in mine, which was the <laughs> second half of the pour. Grace yeah, it's is a little, a little cloudy still. It's funny because the yeast... I can see the freckle on my finger through it. They're like completely suspended, like barely moving. So you have one freckle on my finger. I've always found that annoying. She cut it out. <laughs> Much less sweet, but more traditional. Only Zotz hops were used according to the information I had. Okay. And they don't get the kind of interesting hop thing going at the end. And kind of a, a little rindy taste at the mm-hmm. end, too. Yeah, it definitely doesn't have that caramel flavors that we're getting in these stouts. 
So, but it's not nearly as sweet. It doesn't have the, I guess, the viscosity of the stouts. It's a little thinner. Yeah, it does feel more aqueous, a little li- more liquidy. The uh, on the nose, it, it it's I'm trying to figure out what I'm getting here. It is. Um, if you would ask me, it's kind of hayish, a sort of grassy. Yeah, dry. yeah, it's definitely a. Uh, a grassy, uh, dried grass hay type thing, right? Where if we're contrasting against the stouts, the stouts had that um, very like uh, doughy, uh, bready type flavor, but this one is a lot more dry and hay like. Yeah, it was kind of like the stouts was like the puff wheat cereal with sugar, you know, with mm-hmm. sugar right. smacks. I think that's puff wheat with sugar on it. So it had that really sugary, weedy t- uh, aroma, and this just has a dried grass. Don't, also, the alcohol really isn't very present. Yeah, I'm not getting the, the spirit or the liquor-type aromas off of that. It's not really getting up into my nasal cavities and warming them. It's interesting. It doesn't really sh- show or feel its 8%. For, getting, for a big beer, it doesn't feel that big. I'm getting a curious aroma. It's, it's just subtle and neutral. So when I say curious, I don't mean curious bad or curious good. It's just subtle, neutral a subtle neutral aroma sounds like water. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Well, it's it's just it's just like it's like if you're looking at like a white to black, right? It's just like a little bit gray, right? It's just something barely there. Let me see if I can find it. I am curious. Maybe it's to see a what little, maybe it's a little phenolic, a little peppery, like a, a, a um, like a, maybe white pepper, green grains of paradise, something like that. I can see that. There's something there, something a little bit on the phenolic side. Phenols are where you get the clovey mm-hmm. stuff, the yeah. peppery stuff. There's something from the spice cabinet there. Yeah. Just a touch of it, maybe white pepper. Maybe a little nutmeg even. But all in all, I think that it doesn't give you the same kind of experience as Stouts does. The Stouts was fuller. Gave you this kind of real ride. Mm-hmm. And this one is yeah, pretty, in comparison, pretty simple. It's not as it's not as dry finish as the stouts. It leaves a little more liquidy. But it's not sweet. It doesn't give you a sweet yeah. cloying where this, the stouts was in danger of that had it not had the additional hop balance. There's something, something going on where like right in the center of my tongue... In the late taste, it's like digging its claws in. I just feel like sinking into my tongue, like right into my. That's the devil. That's the devil (laughs) from the devil's backbone. It just you feel it like digging into your tongue, like right in the center of it all. Like every sip, I get it. Like it like feels like 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 something like sharp is just like digging. I I don't. I don't feel that. I'm sorry. Sorry to say, I did not feel that. But I taste the rest of what Jeff's tasting. I smell that little pepperiness. The hay. Like a clean barnyard. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a good drinker where... Very easy drinker. The stouts is... When I started, we only had a little less than half a glass of the stouts, right? And if we were doing a whole 12 ounces each, I was thinking I was going to need some food. 
where this one kind of can be, you know, it's a little lighter in, Very in flavor and character. It's a lot more drinkable. And, and I think this is more of a hot weather where the stouts, again, is a... It's so big and warming. You want to drink that when it's a little bit colder out with this one. Pennsylvania. I mean, there's yeah, a difference. Yeah, very there. well could be. Where this one, I could see, you know, maybe not on the hottest of summer days, but on a late fall day, you know, where it's a little warm out, you know, drink this, enjoy the air. You know, that's kind of the feel I'm getting. Sure. This. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking late summer when I'm drinking this one. No, I agree with you. This would this would go well in a lot of situations, and it doesn't need, like you said, it doesn't need the accent of food to help mm-hmm. the whole thing go down. So it has that advantage going with it. At eight at eight percent, that's pretty good. Yeah. It hides eight percent pretty well. That being said, I'm going to save the last half ounce or so, save some sobriety there, because I don't want to get wrecked tonight. So you have to work tomorrow. I do. So what's next? Oh, the Victory Gold Monkey. Was this the one you were talking about? Yeah, I have an expectation this guy's going to be a little on the sweet side. So let's see, because, you know, it's been a little bit of time since I've had him. Victory, of course, uh, here in Pennsylvania. It's a two-row German malt. European whole flower hop. Don't tell us which kind. I'm I'm betting Zatz. It seems traditional. Uh, Belgian imported yeast. 9.5% alcohol by volume. Available year-round. The real ale was a seasonal. Oh, there you go. Well, oh, I, I guess we can't have dead air, can no. we? Because we're doing live tape. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I'm like, because generally when we do a normal show, complete silence is is fine because they're easy for me to spot when editing, and I can just yak it out. So, complete silence is better than crap. We got to cut out. So we have this tendency when we're doing a little research or looking at something, we'll be completely silent. We use that time to do our research before we say something. But if we're doing live today, we definitely can't do that. So we apologize for that. We won't do that anymore. I was just looking at the Devil's Backbone bottle a little bit more. Um, I don't know what the life on this thing is. You know, Bill sent it to sent it to us a while ago, but it's still good until July. So there we're you in go. good shape. So relatively long life on the Devil's Backbone. This uh, Golden Monkey won uh, International Beer Competition Silver Medal in UK, in London, in 2004. And in the Australian International Beer Awards, won the Bronze Medal in 2008. I assume for triple, not just overall beer. So in contrast, this is a relatively new bottle of Victory's Golden Monkey. They want you to enjoy this by July 2013. <laughs> so the beer has like a two... And half year lifespan on it, and anything this high in alcohol will generally stay pretty mm-hmm. well as long as you keep it relatively cold. You know, not freezing, but if you keep it in the cellar conditions, it'll stay. That's funny. I haven't had Golden Monkey in a long time. I smell the aroma, and it clicks. I remember an old, like an old friend or acquaintance about this beer. It just smells like a Victory Golden Monkey. As soon as I smelled it, I'm like. I remember that aroma. So what are you smelling? I smell like kind of dandelion. Dandelions? Um, some kind of tropical fruit, right? It's not really citrusy. Maybe it's a, it's like more meaty. It's I like can see a bit of mango. Mango or something? Definitely I can see mango in there. Something my mom's been doing is she, she makes a good salad, and she's been putting mangoes in her salad, and it works. Huh, it works really well. Yeah, so like a really fresh mango, maybe a little bit of kiwi. Even though I said not citrus, that's kind of an acidic, but I'm getting a little, little kiwi in there. 
But yeah, there's like a chrysanthemum or a dandelion or something. There's definitely a flower type essence to it. It carries through into the taste. It's a different flower. More of a potpourri-ish kind of flavor. Mm-hmm. It doesn't smell oh, yeah, that's, like dandelion. Oh yeah, that's really floral. Yeah. Yeah, it, it smells like you're walking into your, your, your grandma's place and <laughs> she has that bucket of potpourri on the, on the coffee table, right? Right. It's, it also seems a bit Asian to me, right? Like, you know, the whole chrysanthemum flowers and, and Asian spicing. There, there's, a, there's a hint of ginger there. I'm with you on the Asian. That's generally, when mm-hmm. I think Asian, I mean, I think mm-hmm. things, you know, offshoots of ginger, basically. Right. <laughs> ginger and. So there's a lot of, yeah, there, there's, there's really interesting spicing going on here. There's really, you know. Very, All from their yeast, right? Yeah. I mean, they don't add the spices we're talking about. This is straight from their yeast character. And it's adding some crazy complexity. Very complex. And things to talk about to this beer. So I was worried it was going to be sweet. It is a lot sweeter than the other beers. Uh, so far, it hasn't been too sweet, overpowering or cloying, but it, it's pretty sweet. The phenols help. All that pepperiness from the yeast really help. Uh, where the stouts, I think, you know, and the stouts and the real ale, the yeast did not contribute nearly as much. The real ale, we said we, we, we felt a slight pepperiness. Didn't really talk about any really phenols in the stouts. This one, you can mm-hmm. definitely taste the spices and, and stuff coming through. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely the yeast have played a much bigger role in the victory than in any of the beers to date. And that's what Belgians are, are really about. Aside, you know, there, there's a the sugar and the yeast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's such an important component of the Belgian right. experience. And this one so far has been the one that gives us the most of that pure belgian Now, I appreciate other takes on it, too. Mm-hmm. But this is, I guess, more towards a, a real... Um, really Belgian type of beer as opposed to the other ones which were more American takes. I'm trying to think of other triples that, you know, are this... I was going to say busy, but busy is kind of a condescending <laughs> term, right? Because, I mean, this is a good busy, but it is busy. There's so much going on There's in the yeast. Um, this is a real argument against so cases, I guess, if you ask me. Against distributing in cases because this would be good having a six pack of this with a six pack of other stuff, but having a whole case of this would be too much. It would just be overpowering. Yeah. Well, they do have, you know, this is in the variety pack, so you can get eight yeah. of these in a case. That's that's kind of nice because I think the variety pack's a three way. So it's this Hop Devil and probably Prima Pills. And everyone loves a three way. With this Hop Devil and Prima Pills, that's a pretty nice three way. <laughs> it is a pretty nice three way. <laughs> I wouldn't throw those three out of bed. No way. I went to a Mad Max for dinner tonight. I thought you were going to say I went to a three-way. I wish. (laughs) I keep trying to get Heather into it, but she just won't go. Um, (laughs) I went to uh, Mad Max for dinner tonight, and I I had two beers. I had the, um, the newest Sierra Nevada 30th anniversary. I'm not sure... Who brewed it? Because they didn't say on the label, but it was their Oak Aged Ale. It was, it was pretty tasty. Uh, it was nice getting that for half price at happy hour. Uh, and I had a um, Eastern Snow Melt. It's it's kind of a nondescript style beer. It's a mix between a brown ale, winter warmer slash porter because it's like smoky ale. It's good stuff. The reason I brought the story is the waiter asked me if I had had their um. um 
Yakima Glory, their new black IPA. Ah. Which is kind of like their Yakima Twilight, but but hoppier, I guess. Oh. I would not go for that. I, I, I've had the Glory, too. And, yeah, it's like, I like Victory. I like black IPAs if they're done right, but those beers are just meh, meh, meh. Just, they don't do it for me. Me neither. I don't, and and I'd have to. I wouldn't. I, I don't remember what they taste like, but I remember not liking it. I remember I, almost having the same reaction when Victory did their their alt, and I would just like, yeah. whoa! I do not like this beer. Victory has that going for them where they have beers I either really like or uh-huh. really dislike. I'm wondering if I shouldn't. I mean, Hop Devil's good. And they still have their German heritage in Hop Devil, right? It's German malts. You know, instead of using caramel, they're using Vienna or something like that. Mm-hmm. I can't remember exactly what it is, but I'm wondering if, like, the German malts and the, especially these black IPAs, you know, something's working out there. I don't know. It's just, you guys like, oh, I love it. It's one of my favorites. I'm like, awesome, but not for, not for me. Yeah, I mean, there are people who love, uh, you know, Arrogant Bastard think it's their favorite beer. Yeah. Not for me. I mean, it's, it's so weird because, like you said, I... I really like Victory, you know, Hop Devil, Prima Pills, um, Moon Glow, Rowan Wit, you know, Golden good Monkey. stuff, Golden Monkey, good stuff. Uh, but yeah, Yakima Glory, Yakima Twilight. I, I, I miss the boat. Um, what's their big. Uh, oh, their Cezanne, their Cezanne. Oh, um, the. They still do brewing that? Well, they call it Helios now, and they put Brett. I don't like it as much oh. now that it's breaded. It's it's good, but the yeah the V saison, oh good stuff. They do the V twelve Grand Crew. Yeah, oh that's great. And then you go to the pub, and there's a whole bunch more stuff there you can try out. Yeah, big fan of Victory, but yeah, I don't get the Yakima Twilight Yakima, Yakima Glory. But people like it, so it sells. I said that three times. Let's move on. Our last beer of the night is the only one that is an actual Belgian. This is produced in Belgium. This is Bornum. Uh, 1787 is the brewery. That's I hope that wasn't when this beer was brewed. Eighty-four, be, rather. Yeah, that would be. That would. Well, hey, I'd be interested in trying it. Only if it was in a shipwreck for the last hundred years. Nine percent alcohol by volume, and that's all I got, friends. Was the rest in Flemish, or was there it just, just nothing there? No more information. I like the 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 Bornum bottles. Are these squat little European bottles? Is Bornum. I think Bornum is. Approved by Van Steenberge, aren't they? Yeah, Van Steenberge. They do Golden Drock and any beer that comes in this bottle. Right. So they're kind they're not they're not an Abbey. You know, so this isn't right. a Trappist beer by any long shot. It's just a Belgian It's a Belgian company, yeah. But I I do like a lot I of the like, Steenberg I like I really like their double. Their double was one of the first Belgian beers I really grew to to enjoy. Sort of a gateway Belgian, if you will. Imported by Winnie 2 Incorporated. Really? Santa Barbara. Go globalbeer.com. But their, their Belgian is, so, especially with the sharp edge, like lamb burger, was the best combination of food and beer I remember having for <laughs> a long, long time. Right. Yeah, those Others are- have surpassed it, but for a while that was just, it was such a fantastic combo. Yeah, uh, a little background. Sharp Edge has some burgers, right? And they have beef burgers, but then they have these. They have the Abbey Burger, which is is that the I think, I think so. Yeah, that's the one that's like half lamb, half ground beef mixed into a burger, and 
And then they have a couple other burgers. They have an there. ostrich burger. They have a Kobe beef burger. They they have a veal burger? I'm not sure. I think they had something that was like half veal, half beef. Yeah. Um, if I mean, I haven't done a thorough survey of best burgers in Pittsburgh, but I mean, you can go there and get like two or three of some of the best ones yeah. you can get. I would say on a top ten list, every two or three there. Mm-hmm. But then again, Jeff also has a weird opinion because he doesn't like Five Guys. <laughs> Everyone loves I, Five I Guys. I don't like Five Guys. Well, then again, you, you only it, had it's one. Like, it's like Super McDonald's. It's like you only fast had one, food and you only had one of Five Guys, which was in a bag for an hour and a half before you ate it, and that may have contributed to why you didn't like it so much because we were i i bought it so we were, we were going out to to watch right. some of the stars and so, I, so okay so and i don't want to spend too much time on the main show about this but so let me be really concise and quick if i want a a good burger i want an artisan burger and not a gourmet fast food burger okay Okay, and I'll stop there, and that'll probably explain it, but if we need to talk about more, we can talk about more later. That makes sense. That makes sense. So here we go. On the Bornum, the color is uh, sort of a darker straw. Uh, the Stouts was still the darkest, I think, today, but this is the closest to the Stouts. It's really cloudy, so it's definitely uh, definitely fermented in the bottle. There is a little bit of a, of a white head. I think they gave us an old case of beer. How about uh, this? yeah? Because I'm smelling a little bit of it's cardboardy, some cardboardy rubber bandy something. Yeah. It's just a big, big stinky mess. No, acetone, acetone. Yeah, that's that's the most part. It's like acetone cardboard. So it's like it's just like a whole bunch of rotten. That's not good. I'll take one sip. But I don't think I'm gonna need more than that. Let's see. Yeah, it really has affected the beer. There, there's it a good beer. Taste under. as bad as it smells, but it, it doesn't. A good beer it's not under, great, but it's on. But there, those off flavors are still on top, and it's unfortunate because I think there's. Oh yeah, because there's some good yeasty flavors in oh, there too. Yeah, there you know? really is. You still like in the very end, you get this like, oh, that's what a bourbon is supposed to taste like. Mm-hmm. But I can't. I can't. A I lot can't. of sweetness and 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 wow, there, there's some good stuff there too. Not quite as spicy, but. There's a lot of really interesting stuff coming down, but yeah, unfortunately, the bottle is 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 not uh, the best. So well, I, I'm bummed because I bought this for a bunch of people at work too, right? And this was supposed to be really good, and this is a pile of poo. Yeah, too bad. So that won't rate. Is that all we have? I have um, I have a bottle of Max's Belgian Triple. Let's give it it's a cold. shot. All right, let me pause here. All right, so as soon as I pause, Greg's like, who's Max? <laughs> I wasn't Max, sure. Max is my son. And so this, this is, is the, Jeff. This is the Jeff Bear Brew. Yeah, this is my uh, beer that I brewed for uh, the birth of my son. So if you want some of this, you can get some by asking Jeff. He has some leftover. Not as much as I thought. I have a, just like a case. Like, I had five cases, and now I got like a case. You yeah. wax covered these, huh? I did because I wanted to keep some for. And that has left Jeff with something of a dilemma. <laughs> he tries to open up the bottle. 
It is covered with a very thick blue wax. Normally I can get a bottle opener underneath the, through the wax, but not this time. I'm just enjoying the show here. It's, it's, very, <laughs> it's very funny. So got to peel it, I think. As Jeff plays around, I'll run over the beers that we had already. So we didn't talk about, but we had the La Fin du Monde in the uh, pre-show. And then we had the Stout's Triple, which uh, was the one that I think had the interesting, the really interesting uh, hoppiness to it. Then there was the Real Ale Brewing Company's Devil's Backbone and Victory Gold Monkey. And disqualified because of a spoiled bottle is the Boredom Triple. Jeff finally got it opened, and here... That pours with a Belgian-style head. head, doesn't it? So what are the numbers on this one? What's the ingredients? You tell us. Give me one second, and I will pull them up. I will do a quick pause here so there's no dead air. Jeff is pausing. Okay, so this was a uh, Belgian triple. I got the base recipe from the Northern Brewer, Belgian's triple recipe. We got a uh, 10-gallon batch. We got 26.5 pounds of grain. The original gravity was uh, 1080, uh, 41 IBUs, uh, boiled it for 60 minutes. I used um, two-row Pilsen hops, caramel yeah. pills. Those malts, yeah. I used 23 pounds of Pilsen, uh, one and a half pounds malt, of yeah. uh, caramel pills, two pounds of candy sugar. And da, 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 two ounces of Czech Zots at one minute and um, one ounce of Summit at 60 minutes. White Laps 550, Belgian Ale Yeast. Interesting. So that's a lot more information than... Uh, so I was aiming for uh, West Mall is what I wanted. Okay. A which Travis. is a, a meaty, a meat, I would say a meaty triple. You know, very... Thick loaf of bread, chewy, full-bodied. That's what I wanted. So. Okay. So a lot of head on a sucker. It's got the right color. It's got the... the Yay, that's three points. You know, okay. The, the, the stout's kind of color is strawish golden color. Interesting uh, aroma. That the, the There's a little bit of phenolos there, a little bit of phenolic coming through from that uh, White Labs WLP 550. It's the coldest of the night because it was the one that has been in the fridge the longest. Now, I'm curious. Am I tasting some spoilage or am I tasting the boredom that I didn't rinse my glass properly with? Hmm. Well, what strikes me, if I may be honest, is that you're not tasting anything but that. You're not tasting mm-hmm. something else to overpowering the spoilage is what I'm saying. If it is from the Bornum. Okay. It's uh it doesn't have the complexity that the other ones have had. Um with the exception of the Devil's Backbone, which is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It the the spices come through in the aroma. It may come through a little bit on there, but the and it does have a meatiness to it. I think you you went I think you got the the texture right of the beer, mm-hmm. but the flavor is a little bit lacking. It doesn't have right. uh, some of the floral or uh, sugary complexity that you might expect. All right, 
So I'm, I want this guy to warm up some, so I think we should wrap this up and drink him in the post-show. I agree. So let's uh, do our reviews, or our, our ranking, rather. Review is too much pressure. Let's yeah. just do a ranking. <laughs> well, the, whole show, the whole show has been our reviews. So you want to go first? If you have it, go for it. All right. I think that my number one beer of the night was the Victory Golden Monkey. Okay. I think that it was the closest Belgian style, and I think that it really had uh, a lot of oomph to it. It was really, really quite good. I am going to say it was the best of the night. Um, the other ones are pretty close. The Stout's Triple is really good. That's number two for me. I like the interesting play of hops mm-hmm. at the end. Uh, it had it had the danger of coming to the cloying territory. But it didn't go there. But I wouldn't have too many of them. Uh, then I'd go with the Le Fin du Monde, which I shouldn't talk about. But I, you know, I, I enjoyed it. We didn't. It was, it was, I mean, this is assuming you've had a Le Fin du Monde, you know, in the past couple of weeks, and you know exactly what it tastes right. like. But I mean, the one we drank was a classic Le Fin du Monde. I mean, it tasted right on, and it was enjoyable, and it, it's a good beer. Real. Uh, Brings up the rear with the Devil's Backbone. Uh, it just wasn't as complex as the other ones, and it suffered for that. The Bornem may have been first had it been fresh, but I can't rank it because it was. Yeah, it was. It was definitely a rough one. I'm not really going to rank your beer, but uh, if I had to, it didn't taste very good after all the other ones. No. I think I hope once it warms, it'll open up. Yeah, and you'll taste more complexity. It may be. these all had a chance to warm this instead one of not. nothing. And and if not, then that's what it is. But we'll see. Without doing my beer at the end of a vertical, this is one. I thought this was one of my best homebrews I've done in a while. So I'm really curious. Hopefully, it wakes up and it turns into <laughs> something. Because if it tastes like what it just tasted like in ten minutes, I'm gonna cry. Not much, but just just a tear. Well, stay tuned to the to the post show because I'd like to see Jeff just cry. a tear or two. Okay, so my ranking, I'm kind of conflicted on how I want to rank this. Do I want to rank it on the most ponderous beer, you know, the most complex like ponderous beer, or like just beer that I just want to drink and not have to worry about overtaxing my palate, right? Because it's it's almost an opposite on each other, right? I mean, I I like to go the drinkability route because I found I found the stouts and the victory ponderous but taxing, mm-hmm. and like the Le Fin du Monde mostly and Devil's Backbone to a small degree were drinkable and just you know just smooth you know just good. So like, which way do I? It's like a coin. Do I want to flip it heads or tails? It's up to you. It's your ranking. To me. I generally go with drinkable for most things, but for triples, I go in with more expectations. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I don't know which way to take it, and I'm gonna have to figure it out here real quick so you guys don't get bored. And I don't want to be contrary to Greg just because. Mm, which way do you take it? Okay, so I'm gonna put the Le Fin du Monde number one. Okay, because um, it, it struck the balance between ponderous and and drinkable. It has enough going on to be enjoyable, but not overtaxing on your palate. Um, so there, I straddled the fence very nicely on that one. Um, but I don't have the luxury on on it on the second one, so I'm going to put the uh, the stouts number two. I just really thought that story that it told me in the late aftertaste 
this flavor, then that flavor, then this and that. Loved it. It just was very, very verbose. So now I go with you the most taxing or the most drinkable, right? Or the or the least least uh, offensive. I'm going to put the Golden Monkey uh, third because it had a hell of a story to tell also. You know, that the chrysanthemum flowers, mm-hmm. the ginger, the, the pet white pepper, the all that stuff. And then Devil's Backbone. I liked you. You would have been good, you know, you, you, like I said earlier, late summer, just good drinker outside with some friends. Hell of a beer. Bornum Triple. Uh, I'd say hard luck loser, but you son of a bitch, why couldn't you give me a good case of beer? <laughs> okay, so before we go, I do want to talk about, we didn't talk about it because we didn't really talk about the beer itself, but I love the story behind the name of Le Fin du Monde, okay. which is that they were trying to name it. They couldn't figure out a name, and then it, it, was, it was about time to go, and they are like, well, what, what happens if we don't have a name for it? And they said, well, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Mm-hmm. So they named it Le Fin du Monde, the end of the world. Well, apparently there's another part of the story, right? Because it's all named after the region of, of Quebec. Right. And when Quebec was discovered, you know, I forget who discovered it, but it was like before Columbus, you know, it was, or I don't know if it was before Columbus. I don't know, but it was, <laughs> so like Quebec is featured on, on the picture, right? Yes. So like, it's like the new world, the, you know, they didn't fall off the end of the world. They found land in Quebec, you know, so there's Two definitely a, meetings. a double entendre, if you will, or if you won't. So I hope you enjoyed our live to tape show, except for that one one segment of dead air where we forgot we were doing live to tape. It happens. I don't think we were too stuttery or stumbly, so that was good. And uh, we will guys see you. There's a nice stumble right there. Yeah, awesome. we will guys see you. I think we should end all shows with we will guys see you. Did you see that the um, the lost numbers almost hit on the lottery? Yes, I did. More That's in the post more show. Of a, yeah, post show. Thanks for listening to Craft Beer Radio. The theme music is Money or Time from The Lights Out. Email us, beer at craftbeerradio.com, or follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash jeffbear and twitter.com slash gmwise. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. Money or time, but you never get away.